0: The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this (laughs) station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, 97.5 HG2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in
1: the world of sports. What's up, Jeff. I decided that I wasn't going to talk to you today. <laughs> I found somebody much, much better to talk to. Glad I could join you in the I, studio. I love you, but, but, but we're going to talk to him. We can both talk to him. Okay, I'm not so, going to join in. So, so what we have here is a guy that's a coach, community leader, winemaker, car enthusiast, family man, and now he gets to add to that Hall of Famer, Dick meal Dick, how you doing? I'm
2: doing fine, thank you. Yeah, I'm very fortunate.
0: What does it feel like to be introduced now at the end of that tagline of all the accomplishments in your life and professional career and personal career of Hall of Famer?
2: Well, you know... uh I know there's so many other guys that I feel are every bit as deserving as I am. It humbles me to think uh, they picked me before them. So I'm appreciative. I'm grateful. But I'm aware we. Uh, I'm going to feel a lot better when some of these other guys get in as well.
1: <laughs> Coach, how do you prepare for that? I mean, for the, for the rest of us, this isn't something. I mean, Jason will be in the Radio Hall of Fame someday. <laughs>
2: yeah, but, right. But until
1: that happens, <laughs> we, we have to talk to people like you and find out. How do you prepare for this
2: moment? You know, that is a very good question. And, you know, I've attended meetings at the Hall of Fame, and they say, geez, we'd we'd like to hire uh, a speechwriter for you. Uh, We'd like to put her on a teleprompter for you and all these things. And I keep saying no, no, no. If I can't get up there and thank people properly... uh, with my own terminology, my own bad habits, good habits of expressing myself uh, with sincerity and humbleness, uh, then I don't deserve the honor. That's how I feel about it. And uh, so, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I think about it. Sometimes I can't go back to sleep uh, because of it. But uh, I think I have an approach prepared in my own mind. They only give us eight minutes, regardless of how many teams you've coached. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you
1: don't get eight minutes per team? <laughs>
2: No, you know, when you stop and think exposed <laughs> to friendship possibilities with three cities, three ownership teams, three management staffs, three personnel departments, three coaching staffs, and three football teams. That's a lot of people to think.
1: Well, you know what, coach? When you're done, you can come back on here and you can do a much longer speech. Yeah, we'll allow the addendum to your
0: speech
2: <laughs> if you if you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what we'll us to later tape something? and put on their website. But anyway, you know, uh, you know, I feel so grateful because I know better than anybody else uh, when they hand me the bust, okay, or I get to see it, I know there's a lot of people that constructed it for me, <laughs> you know. So many fine coaches. The Marion Campbell's here and uh, Dick Corey's and, uh, Ken Iman's and these kind of people here. Uh, you know, just so many, you know, so many fine coaches. And uh, you, I go into St. Louis Rams, I've got Mike Martz, Al Saunders, uh, Jim Hannafin, all these guys. Kansas City, Al Saunders again, you know, uh, Mike Solari, uh, you know, John, uh, Greg Robinson, these kind of people. John Bunding coaching for me, uh, Carl Harrison both coaching and playing for me, Lynn Styles with me all three jobs and fortunate for me uh, carl peterson who was with me at ucla and the eagles and later the usfl stars and kansas city chiefs he's the guy that brought me back into coaching after i left the rams you know there's just so many individuals that made contributions to my career and i'm the end product Of all their contributions you know (laughs) i've always believed if you're a good leader you know what you know and you know what you don't know so you 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 better surround yourself with really bright people and fortunately for me that was one of my i think uh gifts if i had a gift i i knew who to hire and i i knew how to help them be the best they could be
0: it was obviously reported you're under consideration for a hall of fame where were you when you found out was it a phone call what was that moment like for you when you when you heard it officially the first time
2: well i was uh, you know i've been a candidate a number of times uh but uh this year i was i had just landed out out in california i was going out work the vineyards and you know worked with my people in the wine business and i'm walking off the american airlines flight and my phone rings, and it's David Baker, Hall of Fame calling. And he says, Coach, David Baker calling. I'm not calling you to buy a case of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I let you know that you are the finalist selected for the Hall of Fame. And if a coach goes in the Hall of Fame this year, it will be you. Now, th- that committee presents the, the selected coach, me, Dick Fermiel, to a board of 48 people. And if I get 80% of the votes, I go in. Well, I got 80% of the votes, so... It's me. Uh, so it, it startled me. I actually leaned back against the wall because I was very close to it, and I told Carol what happened. And it, I mean, it was it. It I almost <laughs> I didn't almost faint, but I'll tell you, it weakened me. I, I leaned back the, against the wall to stable myself. Uh, took it all in.
1: <laughs> Did you send Mr. Baker a box of, a, a box of wine?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: no, he's got to pay for that. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> So, so, Coach, I, I've been lucky enough to be out at, at your wine tasting room and try some of those amazing wines. One of those wines, uh, coincidentally enough, is called Thirty Four uh, after your Super Bowl victory. Is there now going to be a new wine called Hof Twenty Twenty Two?
2: Yes, there, yes, there is. It's going to be a very, very high end label for the first as a souvenir and a symbol of the Hall of Fame selection. Uh, it's coming from Bextoffer Vineyard. Uh, is the number one vineyard in the Napa Valley. The wines are very expensive. Uh, they, Bextoffers, when you, if they give you their grapes, you, they set the minimum you can sell a bottle of wine for, okay? Yeah. So we're going to make about 125 cases. It'll be rated for sale in 2024. We'll take orders for it, uh, in 2022. Uh, we're working on it now. we had a conference call on us this morning for about an hour. Uh, it's just about how we're going to do it, and uh, it, it was my partner's idea in the wine world, not not mine so much. But I appreciate where they're coming from, and it's going to be a fun project.
0: You know, I, no price is too high. I'm sure we can convince Jeff to get a couple cases. Don't you worry about it. We'll throw it right on his credit card. <laughs> get that over taken <laughs> care of. You know, Coach, you're gonna you're gonna get to give this speech. You said you only had eight minutes. Um, you're known for your emotions. Uh, are you working on uh, how you're going to prepare yourself? mentally for this along with the words you're going to say i
2: do i think about that you know uh I, I used to embarrass myself but whenever i get deeply involved in a conversation that really includes someone or something that i'm deeply emotionally attached to uh, i i have a tendency to tear up not maybe just bawl or cry but I, I do tear up and it used to embarrass me embarrass my me but uh i got so now i just you know you accept me as me hey I, I gotta be myself and uh but i, I I have thought about that. I have.
0: have. It just shows how much you care about it, though. I mean, you work so hard, you want it so bad, you care so much, you
2: know, you let it out a little bit. (laughs) You know, a few years back, I'm watching 60 Minutes, Barbara Walters is interviewing General Schwarzkopf, and she asked him about his emotional side, And he said, you know, soldiers, I I never worried about those that cried. I worried about those that didn't. (laughs) And that relieved me of some of the tension that I sometimes feel. I feel maybe I'm the only guy that's like this, you know. But because I sort of have a profile that includes that as part of my profile, I have a lot of people I've never met stop me on the street and say, "Coach, you know, I'm an emotional guy just like you." Yeah, I mean, (laughs) makes me better.
1: Well, Coach, I I would be proud of that. I think that a lot of people, including. Me find that quality endearing, and, and show how much you care not only about your team, but about how much your community.
2: Well, yeah. yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Yes. I've been That's called cool. a lot of names going into stadiums in free game warm-ups because of it. I'll tell you that. You know, when you look I, at when you look there, at can, can,
0: w- which ones can I you say? say? Are you allowed to say any <laughs> of them on the air?
2: <laughs> oh, it's, it's funny. I, you know, to different people. Yeah. You know, w- warm-
0: when yeah. you think back on your career with the Eagles what are you most proud of during your time
2: here uh, i think I you know that i think i'm most proud of the fact that we start three seasons with no first second round picks no third round pick first or second we get a third round pick my third year so my first high pick is a third round pick my third year and the third year we were in the playoffs, and they hadn't been in the playoffs in a long time. So I, I'm very proud of the fact that we, we developed the football team. We built it by hard work. We taught people that hard work wasn't a form of punishment. It was going to be our solution, our ally, that a little pain and a little fatigue is it, good for us. And, you know, guys like Bill Berge and Carl Harrison and Stan Walters and Franklin Master and Wilbert Montgomery, Harold Carmichael, who just went into the Hall of Fame, all of these guys were good, but they all got better. And then the average player got better than the guy that normally wouldn't make a team because we didn't have any draft choices and there was room for him, He got so, with hard work, he could make a contribution. So, you know, I, I, take, great, I take great pride in that. And someone asked me that about uh, the other teams. You know, all three of my teams, the first two years of the three teams combined, we averaged about 34% win, okay? <laughs> my third year, we averaged 73% win. I'm proud of that. I'm, I take great pride in it. So we were doing something right, you know. And the other thing I'm proud of is that I'm the only guy in the NFL history that, uh, coaching staff and myself, coached a team that was the only undefeated team left in the league that season. And I did it. We did it with the Eagles in two thousand uh, nineteen eighty one. We went six and zero. We were the only team undefeated. We went nine and zero in two thousand three with the Chiefs, and we were the only team undefeated. We went six and zero. With the Rams in uh, 99, we were the only team undefeated. So I- I'm proud of those kind of things that are slightly different than other coaches.
1: Yes. You know, Coach, one of the things that we get to hear a lot in Philadelphia is is the impact that you had on the players who played for you, obviously in, in all three cities, but certainly in Philadelphia. Ron Jaworski once said, "I can I can say unequivocally that any success I've had as a father, as a player, as a husband, and as a business person – is directly attributable to Dick Vermeule. What was your secret sauce for the way that you coached and dealt with your players that they have such reverence for you?
2: Well, I think, number one, they knew I cared about them. And uh, I really got to know them. They got to know me, the good side, the bad side, the tough side, the honorary side, the dumb side. And I was, you know, totally honest with them. And I think they read me as authentic as I read them authentic. And I think we developed deep relationships but you have to go to the next level to d- develop those deep relationships they've got to see all sides if you're an emotional guy they got to see both sides of that emotion you know the intense side and the passionate side and uh, I, I you know we, we when you go through adversity like we did uh, here in philadelphia it, it when you have the right people with you and the right people working with you it brings you closer together it doesn't divide you you know it's the-
0: Sticking with the Eagles, I, I think I saw that you were out at OTAs. Uh, they just wrapped up this week. When when you look at what the Eagles have done and the offensive line they've constructed, do you see any similarities to what you tried to build with your teams? Oh,
2: no, it's a totally different concept for everybody today. You know, everybody's under the rules today that are different. You can't coach a football team like I did and we did at the Eagles and the Rams and the Chiefs. Now the union controls the amount of time you're on the practice field, the amount of time you can wear pads, the amount of double days you can have, and all these, uh, all these kinds of things. So it's totally different, and I think it makes it much harder to individually, as a coach and a leadership team, coaching staff, to make a contribution to your team uh, because you're working hard because you're, you're all held to the same standard, which actually, to me it's almost communistic but that's what it is and uh, a lot of people are doing a great job with it but it's more now you better have the right player huh? now you know because you you're not gonna get as much time to develop them anymore and you're you work more on your scheme than you do your individual and uh these kind of things uh, uh i i think it's in in a way made the game more exciting <laughs> you know the players are big and faster uh, being on there the other day with with frank Lamaster and Ron Jaworski, there's a lot of fine athletes on that field, a lot of big guys that can move, a lot of speed. I didn't, I, I, you know, I'm no expert in one practice, believe me, but I didn't see anybody couldn't run.
0: It looks a lot more like the greatest show on turf team that you had in St. Louis than it does some of those other teams out there. You know, you talk about the importance of players. The Eagles have brought in a lot of pieces around the quarterback. You're somebody who's worked with many different quarterbacks at different levels for decades Uh, Jalen Hurts, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him this year. You're a coach. What are you telling him, and what steps does he have to take to be what this team needs?
2: Well, I think you take one step at a time, one day at a time. Every day you try to do something just a little bit better. Try to improve in what you didn't do well yesterday. Try to do uh, better what you didn't do in the last game you played. You know, and... uh, I I think these practice restrictions hurt the development of a quarterback. You know, the only way a quarterback gets better is to see 11 guys on the other side of the line of scrimmage flashing all over the place. You know, seven on sevens can be very misleading. Very few NFL quarterbacks don't throw 80% or better in seven on seven. But when you go 11 on 11 and it's full, you know, full speed except for tackling that changes the percentage a great deal. And I, I think quarterbacks, are not getting enough that kind of practice time anymore uh, to help them develop a little uh, quicker and and with and refine reactions. You know, the, the game is a fast, fast game. Jeez. And and, uh, and the players are bigger and faster. I would look at the offensive line work there the other day. Oh, they're impressive. Uh, you know, I had a great offensive line in Kansas City, considered one of the finest offensive lines in the history of the league. Willie Rose, Hall of Fame left tackle. Will Shields, Hall of Fame right guard. Casey Wigman. A starting center uh, played in the Pro Bowl. Tight end Tony Gonzalez, Hall of Fame. Uh, left guard Brian Waters is as good as a Hall of Fame player that might end up being in it one day. They, they we we had one average player in the offensive line, <laughs> so no wonder we could run the ball or score twenty touchdowns, twenty six touchdowns rushing. You know they were fine players and they were well coached by Mike Solari.
1: Well, coach, you talk you talk about coaching. Um, you were known for your preparation, um, preparing so much with with the OTAs that you're talking about being cut down, and the amount of practices being cut down. Does that put more pressure on a coach as far as preparation when they when the players don't get to play as much in preseason?
2: Well, you know, when I don't agree with someone coaching the game today, it doesn't mean they're wrong. Yeah. You know? But, you know, I don't agree with the approach you can work less and get better. I never believed there was a correlation between working less and getting better. Never have, never will. And I don't care what, if you're a golfer, swing less, you get worse. You know, you play more, you get better. It's, football is the same way, I think, anyway. But, uh, like, for example, here in Philadelphia, they have their approach, and I hope the heck it works. There will be a trendsetter if it does, because I, I don't know anybody else taking that approach, you know, that cut off. Half your OTs and don't have your mandatory training camp and uh, all this kind of stuff. And uh, you know, uh, my, my my bit, the depth of my thinking always come, came from you make them better, not happy. You make them happy off the field. You make them better on the field. Look, and, we go uh,
0: we go through that with it, our coaches right now. I've, We're going through coaches yeah, coaching searches. Yeah,
2: I you know, hey, they played well at the end of last season, and uh, I I hope it works for them. I really do. I'm pulling for them. I was fortunate to be involved in a nice dinner last week. And he and his wife were there, and really enjoyed it, really, really.
0: Look, I mean, it seems like, you know, we've talked about your relationship with the players. Despite what was a bumpy start in the media for Nick Sirianni, his players had his back the whole time, and they bought in to whatever he was doing, and and that's sort of a culture that you have to create where the world goes on around you, but it's about what's going on in this locker room, right? It doesn't matter what other people are saying at that point.
2: You're, You're right. You're right. You're right. And there's some phases of that I don't agree, uh, but that that doesn't make me right. You know, uh, and I, I, I'm like I just said earlier. I hope very much this approach works well.
0: You know, we we talk about the success you've had, the success that players have had under you. Uh, some of them have been so successful they've had movies made about them. Now, you ever think you'd be played in two motion picture movies? By somebody playing your role?
2: Never. <laughs> <laughs> Gave it a thought.
0: Did you go and Never. watch it? What what's it like to watch somebody play you up on the screen?
2: Well, you know, I've only seen Invincible one time. That was I you know, I don't like seeing my uh self on in a film. I don't like seeing uh, listening to my own interview again or reading an article or my name. and you no know, John Wooden starred me when I became head coach at UCLA with a Philip an approach to that. You know, he said, You don't wanna you don't wanna listen to what they say about you that's good nor do you wanna listen to uh, to what they say about this bad, you don't want to read what's good. You don't want to read what's bad because none of it makes a difference in winning and losing. And all it does is distract you. <laughs> he said. So you you just don't do it. And when I came to Philadelphia, I think I about ninety percent of the time I did a real good job of not listening or reading to anything I was involved in after I did it or said it. Yeah. So and I have seen the Kurt Warner movie three times because I hosted it in three different cities <laughs> for the producer of the movie. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it.
1: All right. So now we gotta oh, ask oh. the now we gotta ask the question though. Dennis Quaid or Greg Kinnear, who was the better dick for me?
2: <laughs> well what I appreciated it, and that's a good question. What I appreciated it with Dennis Quaid, they actually used two conversations almost word for word that I had with Kurt Warner. So it, it added authenticity to me in their desire to tell the story as it was really uh, uh you know taking place all
1: right well so if if there's a third movie down the road with dick vermeil again who in your world would you want to play oh, he
2: doesn't think about that. Well, my wife would say brad pitt <laughs>
1: <laughs> well done
0: we'll, we'll, we'll let her get her choice there i have
2: i i don't think that way i have no idea coaches uh, i've been i've been I've been stopped in airports and asked if i was robert redford probably a dozen times in my career life then oh. definitely when he was young and i was young we looked a lot alike to get but i don't know
0: that'd be um, a good one that, that's yeah. see that's yeah. a good one see see what your wife thinks about that and if, you can, if we can get that that her. <laughs> you know we we, we we got as as important as the hall of fame is and what you've done on the field some of the things that you've done off the field have had more of an impact than your work on the field. Uh, last year, we got to celebrate with you with the Concord Elegance. This year, it's mm-hmm. a celebration of the snakes featuring the Shelby Cobra and the Dodge Viper. Talk to us yeah. about the event and the organization and, and why you're a part of it. Well,
2: it's a great event. I'm a car guy. You know, My dad had a garage 25 yards behind the house. Every morning, had his breakfast and walked out, went to work, walked back in for lunch and walked back out after dinner and worked at night most of the time. And I grew up... I helped it in learning. And I, you know, by the time I was finished college and working as a mechanic in summer jobs, I was a journeyman mechanic going on into football. So I have great respect for people that work for their hands on automobiles. You know, they're far more sophisticated today. You know, just, I mean, it's just the technology in these cars are amazing today, but, uh, I enjoyed it and it gave me a great background It taught me what hard work was all about. And also taught me that it made me realize that this is not what I want to do all my life, you know? And, uh, but I have great respect for cars. I have great respect for, uh, the people that work on them, the people that design them on you know? the Shelby. That's a great, great story. The movie was great. And there's a documentary that you can watch. I don't know if it's Netflix or what, just outstanding, but the movie was well done and, Pretty factual, pretty factual. And it's a fascinating automobile, you know. And it grew from a small British car, uh, AC Bristol, uh, that, you know, Shelby thought, God, that might run a lot better if they could put a, a Ford V8 in, you know, and it started with a Ford smaller engine. And it ended, it, it ended up, my gosh, with a, a 427, you know, <laughs> later on. Mm-hmm. So it became a very, very famous car. It, they're very expensive today i've driven i've been involved with dl george coachworks out in cockerfield uh, for about 12 years now when i was out there yesterday that's where i restored two of my dad's old race cars and uh, we worked on them out there i you know i've known people that own them and they're very expensive the real authentic ones, and the uh, imitations or the the replicas are beautiful cars but uh I, I think it'll be a great show. They're also uh, going to show the Viper, you know. And I didn't realize that they were sort of related. And I, I'm interested in, in learning more about it, why they are. They're considered related cars in concepts, in, in construction, and these kind of things. But, uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, last year it was Corvettes. We had a nice turnout, biggest ever. Friday night we have the gala we're pouring vermeil wines. You want to come? Get tickets. It'll be fun. We yeah have some top notch people there that. Really no cars. Me, I'm just a fan, you know. And I'll have my one of my old race cars there. My dad's 1926 Model A Sprint car, you know, with a Miller Schofield head on it. For you uh, nuts and bolt guys, you might remember that name from the old days. This car was built in 1926. But uh, he'll be there. But it's it's the fifth time we've done it. Peter Brock and Chuck Kentwell, who helped establish the cell Shelby brand worldwide on the streets will be there. And Roy Schoberg, known as Father Viper, will be there. So they'll have in terms if you're a car guy, you're gonna like it, you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah,
1: well it's not it's not just it for meal and it's not just cars, but there's a cause. And the cause is is what we're interested in as much as we're interested in the other stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about Cool Cars for Kids and well, why you're involved in that and how people can help out, even if they don't go to the event? And by the way, well, just for people that are listening, we're going to be giving away three sets of tickets and you can go to our uh, our website and, and check it out and we'll give out tickets there.
2: I originally got involved with it because we have a granddaughter, 28 years old, special needs with uh, genetic birth defects. Okay. And uh, this money goes towards a program at CHOP. Dr. Krantz is, is the moderator, just an outstanding man and, and, and a humble, hardworking guy for all the right reasons. And we raised maybe $150,000 or so. And it, it goes towards programs and, and research and uh, with, you know, with genetic disorders and, and to study why and what to do, and how to handle them. you know, it took us a year, it took our medical staff over a year to find out that our our granddaughter Amy Vermeil, had a problem. You know today they know before they're born. that's how much they've improved their diagnosis and these kind of things. But we're hoping these kind of shows that Dr. Cranston, with wrapped around Simeon Foundation Automotive Museum and Cool Cars for Kid Program helps keep improving the process and maybe one day even preventing these kind of childhood disorders. So it's special to us, and you know. My heart's in it, and and we'll we'll be pouring some Bermuda wine and uh, making some money.
0: Well, we'll make sure to put the information out on our social accounts for people to find out if they can get tickets to the event, which is on June 25th on Saturday. There's a car corral. You can go check out the museum. I'm sure Coach will be there. Coach, we look forward to catching up with you down there at the event uh, we wish you congratulations on the Hall of Fame, and hope you can enjoy it as much as you deserve as the induction gets forward. Uh, thanks so much for the time, well, uh, as always.
2: Thank you. Appreciate the gala is Friday night, six to ten, and of course the concourse then, is the next day, Saturday, from ten to three. Uh, the gala, you'll have a dinner and the wines, and it, it, it'll it'll be a, a, some interviews and autograph signing from these famous car people. It, it'll be a, a a, a nice evening. You know, the Simeon Foundation, to me, the automotive museum there is the best kept secret in Philadelphia. You know, it's, it's 6825 Northwich, Norwich Drive in Philadelphia. It's, it's, it's amazing what's in that place. It's, yeah. I think it's one of the best audio museums in the world. Not just up here. It is amazing.
0: Yeah, for our listeners who haven't been, it's right by the airport. I didn't know it was there for the longest time. It was so cool getting to go take a tour
2: last year of it. So
0: recommend our listeners go well, by, support yeah. the Simeon Foundation, support this wonderful cause, and come out yeah. and see Coach.
2: Yeah, well, I tell you, it's easy to get lost over there. <laughs> Put it in your GPS. Six eight two five Norwich Drive, Philadelphia. Thank you. Bye. Or, but it's airport's easier to find. Okay. Thank
0: you so much, Coach. You have a wonderful day.
2: Thank you, gentlemen. Have a nice weekend. You take
0: it easy, Jeff. Hall of Fame Coach Dick Vermeil. That was so cool to just introduce him that way. Yeah, I
1: can't imagine what that would be like. Can you imagine
0: getting <laughs> that phone? Like, not that you and I have ever done anything so successful in life when somebody would call us and say, "Hey, you know, congratulations, you got this." But I mean, you maybe, but not uh, me. No, not not really. Nothing I can think of. Not nothing like that. Yeah. That nothing that they'll fit you for a jacket for make a bust. Oh, they out of your they, head. they might
1: fit me for a jacket, <laughs> <laughs> not the jacket
0: that the coach is getting. Right. Uh, look, I mean, his career spans so many different stops along the way. He he talks about how he's going to crunch this all down to eight minutes. No way how? that man goes eight how, minutes. How do you do that? There how is, does
1: anybody do that? He he coached for thr- you know you almost forget that he coached for Kansas City.
0: If I was a gambling man, yeah. I would take eight o one. Which you're not. Which I would take eight o one or over. Right. There is zero chance that man he <laughs> will cry for more time than he gets for eight minutes. Which again, I think is awesome. Like I, he was somebody who never minded letting you see just how much he cared. The good, he's, the bad. He's the, the
1: original heart, wearing your heart on your sleeve, coach. Yeah, I mean, you, you just didn't see it beforehand, and and the way he describes it, and the way we've heard players talk about him. That's the reason. Uh, that's that is the secret sauce to his success. Is, is who he is. Yeah, and to be anybody else would have made him somebody that his players wouldn't have respected. Yeah, no, he's he's completely authentic.
0: He is exactly who. You they say he is, when you meet him in person, when, you know, players that have been with him, people have, that have worked
1: with him in business, people that have just bought his wine, and he was nice when they bought it. But isn't that what, I mean, how long has it been since he coached in this city? And and I would argue to you, despite what Andy Reid has done, he is the most pop, popular coach in the history of, of sports in this setting. You got to remember. Is there, there is there anybody in there's any a, of the major There's sports?
0: an era of fans. Dick Vermeil coached before I was really I was a fan but I don't remember it. I remember Buddy Ryan. Mm-hmm. But Dick Vermeil was on billboards for the health insurance. He was on TV calling he games. He is now. He was call, he was coaching. So it doesn't matter your generation of fandom. Mm-hmm. You saw a stop of Dick Vermeil along the way from the nineteen seventies to the mid two
1: thousands. No, to now.
0: Well, yes, to now. He's right. still. Look, I had. I told somebody we were having him on. They're like, "Oh, I used to like watching him on those NFL Films videos." Everybody has seen. <laughs> it's like I As if to, those weren't real games. I right? wanted to be like you know. There's a yeah. reason they had him on yeah.
1: those NFL <laughs> Films videos, but it, it was so cute seeing him standing yeah, on the sideline, acting like that. He looks so nice next yeah. to that little trophy with a football on top of it. Robert Redford is a good call. <laughs> I, that I was a very good call. Yes. That
0: was, I, I. But I do think his wife would like Brad Pitt more. <laughs> Why don't we leave it there when we come back from the break. We will talk the streaking Phillies. No, not streaking, Jeff. Stick with
1: us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, Elec puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, Repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work.
0: Jeff, I need the old school audio drop. We're going streaking.
1: (laughs) I can't believe you said that.
0: So the the Phillies haven't lost.
1: You realize now we're going to get two warnings next week, right?
0: Oh, I didn't say anything
1: that bad. I've said much worse on oh, the Oh, th- th- it'll be misconstrued. <laughs> I'm not Jason's even... t- encouraging people I'm, to go
0: streaking. I'm not even sweating over that one. And okay. you see me sweat when I said something dumb before. Wes isn't even paying attention on the other side of the glass. Oh, he doesn't think it, I did anything wrong over there. It was
1: so impressive.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, yes. that day was definitely impressive. I
1: wish I had recorded that day. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Mm-hmm. So the
0: Phillies won their seventh consecutive game. Uh, Rob Thompson. Thompson improved to 6-0 and as the interim manager. Best manager ever, Jeff, right? Let's go over React. Come on. You, you, you've Text, enjoyed me texting you, you texting bothering you with that.
1: Here, you know here, I don't actually believe that, right? No, I'm not quite no, sure. No, you don't. Know, no, I don't believe exactly. that. <laughs> Once you start hashtagging stuff, that's when I get disturbed. <laughs> that's when I get worried. I just want to out. You fun. do. You were hashtagging me. You weren't just saying it, but you were adding that little hashtag. I afterwards. Don't, and I know that's your thing outside of here, but I don't think the Phillies are a undefeated team. But well, they're not an undefeated team. They're undefeated for a week. But for everybody, before you get really super excited about this, they did beat two good teams, but they beat two good teams that were on massive skids. The Angels had lost. They had not won in a week and a half before they played the Phillies. And then the Brewers are on a losing streak and then as the well. The Angels
0: fired their, their manager yes. right after they left because they did not have any wins here.
1: So I got a question for you. What what's the problem with Nickelback? I know it's not really a sports <laughs> Where thing. Where did that come from? Because did, didn't you see what they did the other night? So no. they decided that they were going to somehow break the break their losing streak by changing all the walk up music oh, for every Angels player. It didn't work though. To Nickelback, and they ended up losing one to nothing. Yeah, it didn't work. It all they needed was a dominant pitching performance from Shohei Ohtani. Why and a couple does everybody? But why does everybody pretend to hate Nickelback? Because well, everybody does obviously doesn't. They've obviously done very well. You know, I am the least music.
0: Connoisseur in the studio now. You've got Wes, who is in a band on the side right. of the glass, gra- and you're asking me that question. The only thing I listen to are nursery rhymes and Disney songs right now. I've got two kids under five. I see Paw Patrol as a feature movie these days. Well,
1: unless we not forget <laughs> that we actually learned Baby Shark from an executive Adam in the Phillies organization. Well, yes.
0: uh, I, w- I will say, if you look at the farm <laughs> system, you understand why at that point now. But let- let's
1: So, is the farm system. Well, I know the answer to this, but to to the average person who doesn't follow the farm system, does the farm system look a whole lot better this week because the young guns are playing well. Well, technically they're not in the farm system anymore. Correct. But and, you, and there is, just so we're clear, other than Logan O'Happy. there's very few. There's very few Though thing, they moved players,
0: up their pitcher that they took from, Andrew Painter, Andrew Painter from Clearwater
1: Lake with this, this. They week. moved him up from A to A. Yes. A to from, A. a yeah, it's He's moving. A, great. It's moving. But the problem is I still don't know who the sixth starter is must, if somebody gets hurt. What? Why did I bring
0: in Debbie Downer
1: on the show this week?
0: <laughs> the team won it's seven not, games it's, that are. Row, can you put a damn smile on your face it's not it's not a
1: downer <laughs> it's a question of making sure what's you know that I they're gonna lose at some you, point you know that i have the same legitimate questions
0: can able still look shaky uh at the closer role that you know can the defense they found
1: the role for Bilotti now though when they're up 10 nothing it's a that's perf- perfect that's perfect. where he should have been all
0: along though right. look that's part of what this is is They've had the same lineup for days, and and you notice rather than what Girardi does, sitting like a bunch of players on the same day, they're sitting Real Muto tonight, but they're playing everybody else. So you, that's how you should do. You do a rotation. Like I just, it doesn't surprise me that the team is playing looser. They seem like they're having fun. You saw these stories before Girardi was fired of family members telling players, "You don't look like you're having fun and enjoying yourself." Now well, they could, have.
1: What was what was it? that Castellano said that Girardi had only spoken to him? He had only talked to him once or twice? Is that possible? From what
0: I saw from other players, Girardi wasn't the hangout guy. He was the disciplinarian. He was very focused. Thompson, apparently, on other teams, I think Mark DeShera was the one who talked about it with the Yankees, what it was like. Thompson was the guy who would go out for a drink with you while he would discipline you and pump you up. Girardi wasn't that guy.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's a bad manager for that. It doesn't reason. mean he's uh, a bad manager. Everybody has a different managerial style. And look, there's a reason that... that managers have to detach themselves from players in order to do certain disciplinary things but there are ways to do it i I mean we just had a coach on who did it differently.
0: i think he started to lose the team with some of the decisions he was making i think some of the decisions he made directly cost this team victories and when that happens you have players bryce harper who has a tear in his elbow who comes back to play after getting an
1: injection for the team to take the lead and they blow it. I still don't understand that injury. Granted, I'm not a doctor. He's hitting and I'm sure that like disappoints he's some people, got a perfect elbow. It, it makes no sense to me that he's able to swing with... This is not a guy who has an easy swing. He has an explosive swing. swing. And, and every time he hits a home run, I get excited, and then I go, please don't do anything when you cross home plate with those high-five maneuvers that he's doing, because I keep thinking one of those is going to lead to this injury getting worse. But here's my question to you about Harper and Girardi. I'm not. I haven't heard Harper say contrary to the interpretation of one of the things that he said. I haven't heard Harper come out and really bash Girardi. But did he lose Harper because Harper's protege is Stott. Bryce Stott. and he didn't play Stott? That's the Vegas boys. Yeah, and, and Stott didn't play. And one of the things Harper pointed out was Stott played all weekend.
0: Giving, giving young and, guys a chance has been something that you've heard repeatedly over this wedding. Yeah. That you put them in the lineup, you give them the chance to fail
1: or succeed. You know, it, This is the first time, and, and I am not a fan of his, Alec Boehm that he looks like he's having fun playing baseball. Going back to the minors. Like he just, yeah, from literally the day that he was drafted. <laughs> the and, day that you and, interviewed as, him. As, as, one, as the person who I think did his first interview <laughs> he was not when a, he got to Williamsport. That was bad. He just seemed like an unhappy camper, and he actually looks like he's Look, having fun playing a game. You talk about Bryce Harper
0: he's got three homers in the last four games five in his last six games this month he's
1: since he's playing f- he's playing like the reigning MVP.
0: since may 1st he's hitting 347 the Phillies have scored eight runs 13 times this season that's the second best in baseball so they were scoring runs already it was they were blowing games they were getting into the bullpen and you knew that it was going to end now i still think and i could be wrong i think in the end sir anthony dominguez is your closer by the end of the season i don't think you can bring Enable in every game if he continues to do the same tightrope dance where you put a bunch of guys I think on. they
1: have it figured out they said that the his curveball's been inconsistent uh okay. I don't, okay so it's been inconsistent it's still inconsistent
0: look he was never a top closer before he came no, here i'm just gonna point that out like you're trying to make him into something and then look the phillies are good at trying to make people into something that they've never been before that's basically their mo for the past couple years but i thought they were getting away from that you know But Sir Anthony Dominguez has been more than they could have asked for coming back off his injury. You know, you look at some of the guys that we saw this week. You saw Alec Bowman, Matt Bierling hit homers off of Josh Hader in Milwaukee, who hadn't allowed a run in nearly a year. I mean, you see things... And, and a, hadn't
1: allowed a home run.
0: The manager's doing an interview in the clubhouse with the reporters and the music from the celebration next door with the players is so loud that it interrupts the interview. That wasn't going on with Girardi in the locker room. What is this song about? I don't know. Mickey Moniak picked okay. it apparently, so at least he's contributed to what's going <laughs> on here. You know, you look at the pitchers, they had a 1.42 ERA against the Brewers and that's with Eflin struggling even though he gave up one run in the game. Aaron Nolan is first in the National League with eight and a half uh, strikeouts per walk. You know the Aaron
1: next. Nola is having a great season, and this week he tossed eight, tossed eight scoreless in a ten nothing game. And if we know anything, he'll have a great rest of the season in 2023. Year, so it's yeah. an odd year, so
0: so where is this team now? They are one game back despite their seven. Whoa, whoa, whoa. One game the, under one game five. Back sorry, of one who? game under five hundred. Right. Three and a half back in the wild card, mm-hmm. despite their seven-game winning streak, the Braves have had an eight-game winning streak at the same time. <laughs> so, so they're yeah, they also up nothing on the surging Braves. in the wild card. But remember, there are three wild cards this year. Mm-hmm. Now, a week ago, if I would have told you that we're talking wild card, you would have told me that I'm
1: crazy. Yeah, but two weeks ago, you would have said they were in it. I mean, they had a losing streak before this. They weren't. They weren't terrible. So they what, were just mediocre. So what now they're better team? than me. They're better than mediocre.
0: Are they Jekyll or Hyde? Like which one? They are, are they? not
1: a World Series team. There would have to be. Dombrowski's going to need to make moves. And and as far as I'm concerned, what assets do they have to make moves? Assuming that some of these guys that are now on the injured list get back, you have if they keep playing like this, you have yeah, you moves move. to make.
0: You have a Gene Segura. I,
1: I'm not. I'm, look, I'm not suggesting getting rid of Logan O'Hoppy. Uh, I I love the kid. I want to see him come up here. But he, you could get something really good for him right now. And if JT is going to continue to catch for four years, whatever his deal is. And having Ohapi is just a luxury you don't need because you also have Marshawn. The one thing the Phillies have right now is catching depth, right? So, which is shocking because I mean, they never had catchers, right? But you, but you now have that. Marshawn's back playing, and so you make one of those trades. What they need is they need another starter, and they need somebody in the bullpen. Now, if they get another starter and the other guys stay healthy, which is a big if, going through a full season, then you can get your wish and you can move Ranger to the bullpen, right? He pitched well this week. Right. But But, yes, I would prefer... But you want him in the bullpen. I would prefer you
0: have a solid third starter and then you can have... uh, Eflin Eflin as your fourth. Eflin as your fourth and Gibson as your fifth. And have Ranger in the bullpen as the long relief guy. Or the guy you can bring in in a high leverage situation because he's been there before. He doesn't get rattled. He's mm-hmm. got all kinds of different stuff. You've seen him in that role. That would be what I would prefer. So
1: that so the one thing that you really need right now is a starter Starting pitcher.
0: Yeah, and we'll see what's out there in terms of what goes on. Look, they play. You don't
1: need hitting. The only unless unless you're going to make a move for for. A good veteran center Bench fielder, yeah, no Bench. center fielder, because I still don't think you have your problem solved. I want Mok- Moniak to work out. That doesn't mean he's going to. I don't want to see O'Double. I don't care if he hits three home runs this week, because what I know is O'Double will eventually slide back to being the dumbest player in baseball. <laughs> it, it it is something that you can guarantee he will swing at a ball behind him. I've never prepared. I've
0: never prepared when you say that, and I always why. Lie.
1: I don't know. You You can't possibly disagree
0: with me. No, I don't disagree. And it's not even surprising that you say it. And yet every time you say it, (laughs) I laugh. I just think it's funny. Look, they play. The I can next... say
1: something else to make you funny, but we uh, can't do their that. Their next I mean...
0: 13 games are against the Diamondbacks, Marlins, Nationals, and Rangers, none of which currently have a winning record, but right. they never beat but the Marlins exactly. ever. 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 They play five against the Nationals in that stretch there. So,
1: Oh, and you know who you probably won't see for the Marlins? Sixto Sanchez.
0: No, he's not. P- no, he, he,
1: he hasn't pitched... Hardly at all since they got JT, and, want... and you you had
0: the Marlins seem to be having oh, issues down you there. They freaked
1: a... out when they traded him.
0: Yes, um, the Marlins had a closed door meeting. They seem to be having some issues down there with their team as well. So we'll see what comes out of that. Kyle Gibson gets the start tonight. How against do Soucher's you know the that the
1: Marlins had a closed door meeting?
0: Um, Who covers was, the Marlins? Re- I don't know. I guess somebody stood outside. It was reported they had a closed door meeting, and there were certain topics. <laughs> it, it had
1: to be somebody in the room. Well, I guess they. Who goes about... to the Marlins?
0: Meeting? Can Can I ask you? I don't know the. Baseball traditionalist in you. I've been waiting to ask you about oh, this. No. I know that you saw what Tony LaRusso did this week. What did he do? So it was a one two count with Trey Turner up, and he intentionally walked him. Actually, I didn't see it. Because he thought he would have a better chance with the next guy. And what happened? It did not work out, and they lost good, the game. Good. And people were yelling from the dugout, there's two strikes as he's going there to is intentionally no, walk him. There
1: is no manager that I can remember in my lifetime that I that I dislike as much as Tony Larusa. The man thinks that he invented the game of baseball. He
0: does. Can we sure. get, get serious for a minute? No. I, I want to go to football. For a second, what do the Browns do, and what does the NFL do? Right? Who cares? Now? No, no, I do no. Because, I, because I do because, because the, what
1: the Browns did is
0: is with the, what the Browns did is asinine. Right. But this oh. week you had news that the Texans themselves is that a bleepable one? No, it's not. Oh, okay, it's not a curse word. It's okay. one of the seven words. Come on, Uh <laughs> the text. Yeah, good. <laughs> this, this week, the, the tech... Now, we still have one dumb button left. Glad then. we good. could all point that out for the listening audience. Now we're going to get three disclaimers. Good job. Yeah, yeah, right? So, okay. Uh, the Texans this week, it came out that they basically got the hotel rooms for Deshaun Watson. Right. And he used NDAs from the team or the team physician. What is the liability of the team and by that, the NFL that they're the, the Texans. Texans that their team was
1: basically they got added arranging to the law- this they got added to the lawsuit. Like if you're a lawyer, for The other
0: side and and Rusty Harden should just stop talking to Sean Watson's lawyer because he's not helping the case at all.
1: No, I, I, you know what, lawyers. You you know I've handled a couple of high profile cases and the idea is to say as little as possible. And let let your 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 case speak for itself in court. Unless you and don't sh- have a case which you no, just shut then, up and down. Then then you should shut up even more. <laughs> you don't come out and say something about happy endings and 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 say it like it's no big deal because even if he didn't mean it that way Half the country immediately says he's suggesting that he's admitting that. And so why come out and say it? It didn't add anything. It doesn't help your defense. I don't know why he comes out and says that. But now you go to the Browns and what you're talking about. I don't know what due diligence the Browns did. You didn't really need to do too much because the whole world knew about this story. Why in the world do you get this guy knowing that there's a likelihood he may not play this year? And knowing that he may have done the things he did we don't know if he did and everybody is presumed innocent until they get to their their day in court there's a lot of stuff and the nfl and all these sports organizations rely on public relations how is this a good public relations move to bring in a guy who's being accused of the things that he's being accused of not by not one person or two people dozens of people why why are they doing this and why has the NFL and not, not only stepped in? Hold on. It, why has the NFL not stepped in and said we're putting him on administrative leave or whatever they have, similar to what the MLB did? And and I, I'm not usually pointing out the MLB being the leader in these kinds of things, but at least the MLB said with Trevor Bauer, You know what? This is a pretty serious allegation. You're not playing right
0: now. Not only did football not do anything, they allowed the Browns to sign like a special contract that guarantees him everything no matter what. So the Browns Not like they deserve the opportunity to do something and get buyer's remorse, but they can't do anything even if they wanted to right now. You watch.
1: You watch because now what the Browns are going to do is if if he never plays a down, the Browns are going to say that they were Defrauded into this, and, and that there was a, there was a fraudulent inducement. They'll lose that though, won't they? Probably, but they're going to try. Well, of course, they're going to try. try. I mean, this this is ridiculous. What the Browns are doing, and, and I'm sure that there are lots of kids now that have from their parents Deshaun Watson jerseys. And you know how I feel about.
0: Look, that. I'm very glad that the Eagles didn't like all the talk about it. I. I would not want him to be the quarterback on my team. And that's not to say that he doesn't have skill. I just,
1: yeah, I but there are not. a lot of people that would have uttered the words you just uttered and still would have bought those jerseys and still would have cheered for him because he's our guy now. Look, that's Your on guy. them. That's on them. I That just wouldn't be what I'd I do. I just – I don't understand it. I, I'm going to go back to this and I will preach this every single time. Anytime you have somebody that does this kind of behavior – the NFL should say we're not at a minimum we're not selling these jerseys. The, the, we're not gonna we're not gonna glorify this and we're not gonna encourage people to walk around emulating people like that. The NFL's got a bunch of large problems now, lots of them in
0: ownership. You've got the commanders, you've got this situation with the Texans, you've got Jack what Del went on Rio. With Flores with Miami, mm-hmm. you've got Jack Del Rio who decided that he would not stick to sports either. And would pontificate on January sixth, and now be fined. So he makes three point five million dollars a year, and got fined a hundred thousand dollars for his comments, mm-hmm. and got a stern warning from Ron Rivera. How
1: long do you think till he says the next comment? He may not say it. I mean, if he's smart, I'm not so sure. Jack Del Rio is a guy that I consider smart, but if he wants to keep his job, I don't think he's going to say anything because a lot of the I'm sure that there are a lot of players that are very unhappy with what he said and the way he said it. These are just not that. You can head- have your own opinion. It was just. It, it's this whole whataboutism that that got i think got him in real trouble it, these are just not the
0: headlines that the nfl would like to see <laughs> they they want people to talk about who's going to be playing in what games and do that fantasy schedule picking and getting ready watching otas getting ready for training camp and instead in in los angeles you've got the Chargers ownership group fighting among siblings. You've got this with all these other teams. It just seems like there's a lot of upheaval right now among ownership groups. Meanwhile, the Denver Broncos sold for $4.5 billion. To Walmart. To Walmart, who owns like three different teams? Does that now. mean all
1: the tickets are going to be discounted? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Are the, are the, well are the concessionaires going to wear blue smocks? Well
0: played. I'll give you that. Uh-huh. Uh Okay, four cool. minutes left. What do you want to talk about? I'm not going to give
1: you golf. A what d- are you going to you're going to you're going to bring this golf stuff up again? I was actually going to let it go, but since you went there, um, <laughs> you don't he, you don't want to talk hockey. So, uh,
0: well, I liked watching the playoffs. I mean, those games have been good. The Rangers seem to have blown it at
1: this point. Yeah, the Avalanche are going to win. I told you at the beginning of this playoffs, they're so good. Yeah,
0: Claude Jerusha pushed for a trade to the yes, Avalanche. He you said them that up all along. Team. Yep. Uh, the Saudi tour began this week.
1: Uh, <laughs> I like how you're calling it the Saudi tour. Uh, well, it's the the live the live tour. tour. Yep. Sorry, gotta get Liv it right. Golf. Um, L I V stands for, I believe, thirty six. Oh, no, 54. Oh, I'm, I'm so bad. 54.
0: It's so funny you say that. So because it's 54 You put, put Vermeule's wine in there. Yeah. And I had to look up what the... Oh, I put the Roman Roman numerals in for the show
1: (laughs) to make sure I had the Super Bowl right. Oh, if if I had known that you weren't going to get it, I would have let you say it. Oh, God. That would have been been fun. fun.
0: So anyway, so they started the tour. uh, Some big names... I mean, we
1: avoided another issue by saying coach. This is correct.
0: Some big names, uh, including Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, and Sergio Garcia joined the tour. Mm -hmm. Um, PGA Tour suspended... Seventeen players who went and did it. The viewership, not huge, uh, on
1: YouTube alone.
0: No, well, it's only on
1: it's only on YouTube and Facebook, right?
0: Ninety-four thousand viewers on YouTube for round one. 54,000 viewers on YouTube for round two.
1: Right. Uh, Is this sustainable, this new No, but yes, it's sustainable because of the amount of money they can throw at it. This isn't like the USFL Yeah, they don't depend on ratings. Yeah, they have billions of dollars. I mean, the amount of money that they're throwing at these players, you know, you can blame players for leaving and going to for political reasons and all the other issues, human rights reasons. But the fact is, is Dustin Johnson was apparently paid $125 million. Yep to go play golf regardless of whether he wins or loses. Did you see what they offered Tiger? Yeah, a Almost, high, high nine, nine figures. Billion dollars. Right. And so if they, which I don't understand, explain to me how a guy whose career is essentially over is going to go play and they're going to give him a billion dollars and how does that build credibility for the think, future Because of I golf. still
0: think Tiger is the biggest name in golf. And you know it. Every time he plays in a PGA tournament... The ratings go up. He won't he be in the next. He can play tournament. in a lot it of tournaments. It doesn't matter. He's there. People want to see him. He's a legend now. Yeah, it but no,
1: as you said, nobody's seeing them. The the this will. will. The, the thing is going to be when some network decides to pick this up if, if the networks hold strong and the sponsors hold strong that's the thing is, is the sponsors start going to these guys then it's going to build steam we have a minute left do you agree
0: with golf's decision to suspend them now they're not suspended from the usga tour events like well that's the because they don't control them but the from the pga events is that the right tack
1: it's not but they may have no choice because the sponsors may be pressuring them to do it. The sponsors are the ones that lose well, money. as saw a Rocket
0: Mortgage drop price in DeChambeau Right. as soon as he came out that he was playing there. So if, now he if doesn't it, need
1: the money with what he's getting. From if this side. is their own decision and they think that this is going to bring them back or discourage people, they're wrong. But if, But if sponsors are saying you have to do this because you have to protect the brand, then they don't have a choice. We just don't know what it is right now, but their public relations people are doing a crappy job. That's going to be the last word for the week. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make
0: sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.